I encourage you, if you would, to take out your Bible and turn over to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at just three verses today as uh, we study about the Sabbath, the purpose of the Sabbath. Thank you, Josh. I encourage you to turn over there as we continue our study in the book of Genesis. I'm enjoying it very much. It's good to get into the Old Testament and uh, study that as much as the New Testament. The Old Testament leads us into the New Testament. We need the Old Testament to understand um, the things of the New Testament. So as we talk about the purpose of the Sabbath today, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. As we think about that, I think about the early days of my Christian life when I first became a Christian. And uh, I had some, some not-so-good teaching on what the Sabbath was and some pretty poor examples. I remember that my pastor would often brag about that he never took a day off and he never went on vacation. There were faculty members at the school that I, I went to that thought mowing their lawn in their suit and tie was something you needed to do, right? And you did that work. And I remember... In chapel services, they would say it's better to burn out than, I mean, yeah, better to burn out than rust out. In other words, you just work. And this idea of rest would be catching up on sleep and rest when we get to heaven. But we need to be all about the kingdom pouring ourselves out, not even necessarily worry about taking care of ourselves. And so it's kind of in that background and the model that I grew up that, um, and my dad obviously was very much a workaholic before he was a Christian and after he became a believer and a pastor, he was also a workaholic there. It's in that framework that I grew up as an early believer. So as, we delved in, as I delved into the study this week, and as Dennis Bland brought this up a couple weeks ago in our men's group, it just brought a lot of conviction and challenge to myself. And so as a result of this message, I hope to make some changes according to honoring the Sabbath and to keep the Sabbath. After all, it is one of the Ten Commandments that God has given us. And God has a great purpose in our resting and focusing on him one day a week. So we're going to take a minute and kind of put this in context and review where we ended up last week as we finished the sixth day of creation. And I hope if you want to follow along in your, on your phone or whatever, you get the sermon notes there. But uh, we, we talked about to, that God finished on the sixth day and then he rested on the seventh. And he did that to remind us weekly of God's creative acts. One of the purposes of the Sabbath is for us to focus on what he has done in those six days, to think about how miraculous it was. As one person said that God got up before breakfast and spoke the world into existence. We can't even imagine how God could put this all together. And he chose to do it in 24-hour period increments. So God made the world complete. And that's amazing to me. It says in Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. God says for the seventh time in chapter 1, adding the adverb very here, 
that what he created was good, very, very good, the sixth day. Literally, that means it was the very best that it could possibly be. God's divine work of creation was completed, and all that was made from nothing was now created and established on planet Earth and in the universe. And as we talked about, this was the capstone, day six, to end all of his creation, to create man and animal on a perfect planet. Second of all, we see that God made the world for us, for us, for you and I, for human beings, for men and women on this planet. I just love Psalm 8, and I hope that you meditated on it as one of our questions to ponder this past week. Psalm 8 says, when I look to the heavens, the psalmist says, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We are a little lower than the angels. We have dominion over the animals and the plants. God has set us up because we are his special creation. So God made the world for you and I. And then thirdly, God is committed to restoring us and the world to perfection, to bring us to perfection. That's what salvation essentially is, is to bring us back to the original model, the the manufacturer's design, the way that he wants us to be, like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. I revel when I see pictures of people who take things like furniture or cars or an old house and they restore them to its original condition. It takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time and money. But isn't it great to know that our God is working on us and restoring us to a life that would be like without sin in our life, to the perfection that he wants us to be. And as one of the songs says that we sang, that he is constantly working even when we don't feel like he's working. In Philippians 1, 6, Paul said, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And that's the great confidence that we have as believers, that he is going to bring us to that place of perfection when we have a glorified body in heaven. But we are to participate in that process in this life as we surrender to him. So our application is this, the Sabbath should be a time of remembrance of the one who created it all and that we serve. The one who created it all and the one that we serve. Well, let's move into understanding what the Sabbath is, its purpose in the past, and then at the end we're going to look at about its relevance to us today. What it was originally intended, intended for, first of all, to, fo- to focus solely on God and worship one day a week. I should say that's our second point, to focus solely on God and worship one day of the week. In Genesis 2, he lays this out. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Look at verse 3. We see two things here. Two very important things. God blessed the seventh day. 
The day we call the Sabbath was and is to be a day of blessing for the one who honors it and practices it. The Sabbath is meant for us to be refreshed spiritually, emotionally, physically. And by doing that, one becomes a more productive worker, more creative in the other six days that they work or labor, five or six days, whatever that may be. But God has a blessing for those who practice the Sabbath. Never heard that before, never thought of it till I delved into this study. And then we see also in verse 3 that God made holy the seventh day. He made holy. He sanctified it. He set it apart. He called it holy. By resting and honoring that one day a week, you're pleasing God. You're revering his name. You're carrying out one of his holy works when you observe the Sabbath. When we say that the Sabbath is a day to honor God and focus on him, That doesn't mean just going to church. It's a day to focus on his wonderful creation and the change of seasons. Maybe you have the opportunity to go for a walk or for a run or for a bike ride. And you look around and you see God's creative acts. You think about and spend time with your family on the Sabbath. I think of this time of COVID-19, the pandemic, and um, all that's gone on and how people have been able to reconnect with their families for a lengthy period of time, some for up to three months and some even longer. This is going to be a memory maker for kids to think about this unique time that they had to spend with their family and build new kinds of relationships and do fun things that they ordinarily wouldn't be able to do. Having the time and the availability on a Sabbath day to rest from the daily labors. Sabbath is an opportunity to offer your money and your gifts to the Lord and to manage well the possessions that God has given you to be a steward over. It's a time to appreciate God's salvation and the good works he's producing through our lives. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So notice the corollary between blessing, that God wants to pour out unusual, unique blessings by honoring the Sabbath, but also he wants us to revere his name and make that day holy. And just as God promised Israel that their land would be rich with blessing if they cared for it, resting on the seventh year the fields so the crops wouldn't be planted and it would bring fertile uh, soil to the next year, so God will bless us richly when we prioritize a day of rest each week for God's glory. John Piper had this quote about these Uh, two thoughts of blessing and holiness. He says, when you hallow God or honor him and focus your attention on him, you receive more blessing than if you keep on busying yourself seven days a week with secular affairs, thinking that professional advancement and money are the route to true happiness. And the reverse, when you seek your blessing in God rather than in the products of human labor, you hallow him and honor his holiness as the greater wealth. So as we think about places like Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A, and other places who close one day a week for worship, for their, for their people to worship and to spend time with their families, many would say that's crazy in this world of, of, of you know, making money and all that. But God has blessed them. And so God will bless us if we're committed to doing his will and his way. Then we see God commanded the seventh day for Israel to remember. It's to remember. It's a day of remembrance. 
Remember that true grace comes from God and not our labor. You see, we get it all backward. We think we have to do the work and then God gives us the things and the material blessings. But really, we are able to work because of the grace that's poured out upon us. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Remember that the Sabbath day is part of the deliverance out of Egypt, and the Passover meal is a reminder of them leaving Egypt. But they were to honor the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath on a weekly basis as a reminder of God's miraculous strength to deliver them into the promised land. And so like the Israelites, their utter dependence upon God as alone is what sustained them and enabled them to leave Egypt behind. God is our creator. He's our deliverer. He's the one who is making and restoring us to the place that he originally intended for us to be. In Exodus 31, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you should keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. It's a day of remembrance of the grace of God, of what he is doing in our lives. But God models the Sabbath for New Testament believers to enter into spiritual rest. You and I, we're on the other side of the cross. Uh, we're in a different place, and God's working. And so he models the Sabbath from the Old Testament into the New for us to understand what spiritual rest is all about. We notice the Sabbath for the New Testament believer moves to Sunday. We said in Acts chapter 20 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, John chapter 20 verse 1 tells us that that's the day that the first day of the week Jesus rose from the dead. So the early believers moved the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday to weekly commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now some dispute that and say that it should still be on Saturday like our Seventh-day Adventist people who do that. But um, we can look at the Sunday or another day of the week as we'll see as the Sabbath. In Hebrews chapter 4, I encourage you to take your Bible, turn over and look at Hebrews chapter 4. And I love Hebrews because it talks about this spiritual rest, not just here, but in other places, but in Hebrews chapter 4, to really help us understand from the New Testament perspective what spiritual rest looks like. It says in verse 1 of Hebrews 4, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. You haven't accepted it. You haven't followed Christ by faith. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 4, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So if we're believers in Christ, we can accept that. But skip down to verse 9. This is the key. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see, when we rest from our labors, 
and we focus on the Sabbath, we're modeling what God did in the picture of creation. And we're acknowledging and trusting by faith that he will sustain us. He will provide for us when we set aside that day for him to take care of our needs. We see two truths here. One, since God modeled resting on the seventh day, we are to take a day to honor God, to remember his works, and to rest from our personal labor. We're to work hard five or six days a week to make ends meet, but God says, look, trust me on the seventh day to provide for you, to set aside that time for me, and I will bless you. I will revere you because you have revered me. A great example of that is Israel. And when they were in the wilderness, they were hungry. They were looking for daily food, and God gave him, them food from heaven, manna. And it was interesting because God said on six days you, or five days you pick up just enough for that one day, but the sixth day, the day before the Sabbath, you pick up extra, and you trust me that that food will provide for you on the Sabbath day. Well, what did the Israelites do? They immediately went out and they began to get greedy. On the first day, they took up more than they needed, and they woke up the next day, and it was moldy with maggots, right? But then when they got to the sixth day, they had to really trust God, and they picked up double portion, and sure enough, the next day, that manna was good. It was healthy because they trusted by faith that what God said would be true. So for us, when we think we've got to work, 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 and we need to not rest, we need to trust God that if we set aside time, he will take care of us. He will provide for our needs. But second, there's an eternal rest that we enter into only by faith. We rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which we just sang about, that he is resurrecting us, that he died for us, that he was in the tomb, that he was borrowed the grave for just three days and rose again. And we walk in this world with a soul that's at rest with knowing God beginning with our coming to Christ and then as we walk on our spiritual journey on earth with him. Jesus said this, how we're to live our Christian life. He says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. God has yours and my best interest in mind when he says that we should live a life of trust and rest in him. One of the most convicting passages of scripture to me is in John 15, because I'm all about staying busy and working and looking for the next thing. And Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When I go out in the morning and I sit on my swing and I study God's word for my devotions and I look at all the trees around me, I don't see trees worrying about getting nutrients. I don't see trees worried about staying connected to the tree. They're just resting. They're abiding. And as they abide... God sends the essential things for them to produce fruit. So our application here is the side benefits of the Sabbath are physical, emotional, and spiritual refreshment. That's the side benefits. Those are the things that we will help us throughout the week ahead to be recharged and ready to face the world as we go out after our celebration of the Sabbath. 
So why did God rest on the seventh day? Was he exhausted? Was he worn out because of all the work that he did in six days? Well, we want to take a moment. One of the purposes of the Sabbath is to explain God's reason for resting on the seventh day of his creation. One of the the things we note is that God was not tired from creating the world. Not tired at all. Psalm 121, verse 4, and many other places we could point to. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God doesn't need eight or nine hours of sleep every day. He's awake. He's watching over us. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, he's singing over us even while we are asleep. So he's not, he's not resting on the seventh day because he needed a break. But God was satisfied that the work of creation was complete. He was satisfied that the work of creation was complete. Can you imagine God? He creates the universe. He creates the world in six days. And I can't even get my mind around this. And then he kind of steps back like an artist does after he finishes a painting After the artist has put his signature on it, the artist steps back and he looks. He says, that's pretty good. Can you imagine God looking at the massive universe and it's absolutely perfect in his mind? That's hard to get my mind around. That's mind-blowing to think about. This past week, we, we had a landscape project that somebody came and worked on and didn't complete it, the project the way I wanted it done, so I had to finish it up on Tuesday morning. And it was, you know, down there in the dirt and putting stone in and mulch and all these things. And, but I got to stop and look back and say, nope, this, this block's not quite right, and get back to work. And finally, I looked back, and I finally said, it's done. It looks good. Have you had that experience where you look at a project and you say, yeah, it looks good, it's done? Can you imagine? That's what God said. He was satisfied on the seventh day that the work of his creation was perfect, was complete. Another reason he rests is that God wants his special creation to know that he is the source of all that man has. When we stop and reflect on God and all of his goodness toward us, we're revering his name. We're saying thank you for writing his story on our hearts and allowing the Holy Spirit to overflow into other people's lives to impact them for the kingdom. Also, God wanted the Sabbath to be a weekly reminder that true blessings, as we said before, comes by grace and not our labor. We just forget so much about what grace is and uh, how every morning when we wake up, and as I told my neighbor the other day, I'm thankful to be vertical, breathing, and able to eat. It's another day on the planet, right? We live by grace. And God knows when that last heartbeat, that last brainwave is going to occur, And every day is a gift from him. And so God wants us to know that he's the source of all things. And when we stop and reflect on God and his goodness toward us, we're revering his name. We're saying thank you to him. And then God wanted the Sabbath to be a weekly reminder that true blessings come by this grace, as we said. And while the Sabbath was commanded by God for Israel to keep, to remember their deliverance from Egypt and God's days of creation, For the New Testament believer, it's to be a model to enter into the spiritual rest that God provided through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and his finished work on the cross. You know, Jewish scholars believed over time that the Sabbath was not just a day of the week. They believed that, and they practiced that, but they also went on to think it was an era. It was going to be a thousand-year time where the Messianic leader will come and lead the world. 
And so we think of that as the New Testament believer as the millennial reign of Christ, leading into the day that we'll have the new heavens and the new earth. And that will be our ultimate place of rest. But here's the practical question. Do we take time to stop on a designated day of the week to enjoy the Sabbath? The Sabbath, as we see in a moment, is very personal to each and every believer and what we do with that and how we make it special. Well, God also commanded to Israel in order that they would experience weekly joy. That's one of the things that's really neat as I studied this is that God expected to pour out blessing for us to honor him, but also to pour out joy upon us on that day of the Sabbath. That's part of the package of honoring it. In Isaiah 58, it says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, notice it's a day of pleasure, he says, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, verse 14, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He's got special joys for us when we honor him on that day that we can experience in any other ways. Psalm 16, verse 11, he says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So while for the Israelites the Sabbath was a command, it wasn't a cruel command, but it was a gracious weekly gift from God. And God wants us to find joy that only comes from him, not the leisures and the material things of this world that we call wealth, but do we trust him enough to put away our phones, our screens, our work, or fill in the blank so that we can give him time for that one day in our schedule? How is it that we're viewing spending a day of the week in rest and focusing on God? Are you receiving joy and blessing from him? It's a command that's not a burden, but it's a gracious gift to be accepted and enjoyed. And so the Sabbath is a gracious gift of love and trust in our Heavenly Father. It is a day of trust to set aside that day and say, I'm going to set aside my normal schedule, the busyness, the projects, the things of work, and focus on him by faith to receive from him. So how should we as New Testament believers view and observe the Sabbath in the 21st century on June 4th? June 14th of 2020. Well, first of all, to understand how we should practice the Sabbath today, we go to Matthew chapter 12, and we won't take the time to read that passage. But there Jesus encountered opposition from the Pharisees. You know, he healed people on the Sabbath repeatedly. He even allowed the um, disciples to eat grain. When they were hungry, they had to pick the grain. And this just rubbed the Pharisees the wrong way because over time, the rabbis had made it a legalistic thing. They had added extra, extra things to what the Sabbath was intended to be. And so it became really about the Pharisees showing everybody how spiritual they were by how they didn't do things, certain things on the Sabbath, and then, of course, they judged others. And Jesus says that that was wrong, that the whole law exists for the sake of mercy. And this idea of the Sabbath was summed up in this idea of the Shema, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus added. And he said in that Matthew 12 passage, if a neighbor, their sheep falls into a pit, what's the right thing to do? To show mercy and get the 
lamb or the sheep out of the pit rather than let it sit there until the day after the Sabbath. And Jesus said in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, if your heart isn't for the good of man, it's not a heart of love. And so the Sabbath was a day to rest, but it was also a day to show mercy if necessary, to help someone out if that was the case, if that was needed. The Sabbath was given as a gift of love to meet man's need. It wasn't supposed to be an oppressive burden to make man miserable. So Jesus removed the legalistic approach to the Sabbath and made it a blessing to honor it. The focus should be on God and Jesus and not what we should or should not do. The Sabbath can be observed other than Sunday. The New Testament in Romans chapter 14, and I just encourage you to read that on your own because it takes time to put that all in context. But just a couple verses from there. It says, one person, a Christian, esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And so it's up to us to set aside what day that is. Sometimes our work schedules determine that. Uh, God says at the end of, of chapter 14, verse 12, he says that each one of us is going to give an account of himself to the Lord. So it's up to us to designate what that day is and what the Sabbath looks like for our own lives. It's not to be legalistic, but we need to take time to stop and make the day holy so we can receive the blessings from God, the joy that he offers to us that we can't receive in any other way. And then we must be willing to accept the gift of one day's rest each week. It takes humility. It takes a, a commitment to saying, you know what, I'm going to cease from my weekly labors. And I'm going to be committed to this. And to view this day as a gift, not begrudgingly. It's a day to be recharged spiritually and to get reconnected to God and his perspective. And then we must devote our Sabbath day to focus our attention upon God in a special way. So what are some practical ways that you and I, we could celebrate the Sabbath? For each one of us, it's unique. For some, it might be taking an extra nap. For someone else, it might be walking out in nature and enjoying his creation, whether you're biking or hiking or whatever you do. For some, it might be developing new dimensions or approaches to prayer, to setting aside your prayer list or whatever you normally do, and just commune with God about where you are right there in that day, in that time, and what's going on in your life. Maybe it's something that you want to study and you just don't have time, and you could set up some time during that day to have a personal Bible study in a particular area. It could be helping someone by showing mercy and doing something for those in need. It could be visiting a shut-in. It could be developing a Bible study in your home for your neighbors, whether they're believers or not, or have a mixture of believers and non-believers in some kind of a Bible study. It could be practicing one of many spiritual disciplines like fasting, meditation, solitude, being quiet for a day between you and God and just listening to what he has to say. It could be celebration. That's another spiritual discipline. Or simplicity, living a day in a very simple, simple way. But here's one thing that we need to be reminded of. If we don't observe the Sabbath, the Sabbath is still the Sabbath. If we don't observe it, it doesn't take away from what God intended for it to be. You know, sometimes... Um, because the Israelites were exiled, they could not 
practice the Sabbath. And then other times, when they were worshiping idols, they chose not to practice the Sabbath when they had the opportunity. I think of Nehemiah. We studied the book of Nehemiah last year, and at the end of the book, you know, Nehemiah came, and in 52 days, he helped rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then he goes back to Artaxerxes as the cupbearer, and then it says later on in the book, toward the end, he comes back for a visit after a number of years, and one thing he notices, they've forgotten the Sabbath. He had set up all the rules of the temple and worship and the feasts and all these things and the Sabbath, and now they've already forgotten it. There were merchants at the city gates on the Sabbath day. Eventually, he locked the gates and he threatened the people who were there that he was going to do harm to them if they didn't leave. And then he commanded the Israelites, as the book of Nehemiah finishes, to make sure that they kept the Sabbath and kept it holy. In Nehemiah 13, it says, And I commanded the Levites, the priests, that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Let us not be like the Israelites and forget the Sabbath. The kingdom work will continue with or without us, but don't we want to be a joyful participant in all that God wants to do? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And lastly, our Sabbath will reach its fullness when our faith becomes sight. That's when we'll reach the ultimate Sabbath rest, when we'll have our glorified bodies, when we'll be around the throne with all the throngs of people and we can worship God and see Jesus face to face. That's when we enter into our eternal rest when we enter the joys of heaven. John Piper said, just like the work of the first creation was finished on the seventh day of the week, the work of new creation in Christ was finished on the first day of the week by the resurrection of Jesus. When we celebrate and honor a day of the week as a Sabbath day, we're getting a weekly foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. It will calm us as we learn to deeply abide in him, to fill us with trust in our heavenly father and to understand what his overflowing joy in our lives is all about. So the application here is the Sabbath helps us lay hold to God's future grace for us, and it's to enable our perseverance, that as we follow the Sabbath, as we give our tithes and offerings, as we go into all the world and preach the gospel, as we obey these things, it builds perseverance in our life that's going to keep us strong until the end. So, Here's our key thought. May you and I wish others continually Shabbat Shalom or Sabbath peace. So I want you to turn to the person next to you on either side, and I want you to say today, Shabbat Shalom. Sabbath peace. Because for many of us, Sunday is the day of Sabbath, and uh, it's our day to celebrate the peace and the, the God has done for us. So here's some questions as we close today. Do you marvel at how far God is reaching to restore us to our original design? Are you a participant in that? Or are you allowing him willingly to work and make you more like Jesus Christ? Second of all, how are you receiving the blessing of God by observing the Sabbath and keeping it holy? That's the challenge for you today as we, we're about to pray, for you to look into your heart and life. How are you receiving the blessing of God by observing the Sabbath and keeping it holy? And in what ways, as a New Testament believer, are you committed to observing the Sabbath? Let's bow for prayer. 
As we prepare to pray through Jesus to God our Father, thank you that Jesus is our high priest, our one who intercedes for us. I want you to just look into your heart and life. Are you honoring God by setting aside time as a Sabbath? And maybe God's challenging you say, like he challenged me this week, I need to make this a serious thing. To not only benefit from the physical rest and the emotional rest and all that, but just to retune and reconnect our hearts to God, unencumbered by the busyness of the day, setting aside our normal activities. Maybe God's just challenging you to say, Lord, I want to I recommit to this. I want to I want to set up a time that I can call the Sabbath. Maybe that's Sunday. Maybe that's Saturday. Maybe for those who may work on Sunday, it might have to be another day of the week. But maybe God's prompting you to say, you know, I need to recommit to this special time each week. If God's prompting you, no one's looking around, I encourage you to slip your hand up so I can pray for you. And my hand's certainly lifted. I need to recommit to the Sabbath, yes. Anyone else, just before we pray? Yes. Anyone else? Father, we thank you that in these three verses in Genesis that we could just kind of take a step back from all that you did and take a step back in our own lives and to kind of reconsider what that Sabbath is all about. Lord, it's so important. It's for our time to be with you, to take away all the distractions and all the things that we get wrapped up in, the cares and worries of this world, and just to kind of get recharged and reconnected and get your perspective on life. It's amazing when we do that, how much more secure we feel, how much more confident we feel, not because of who we are, but because of who you are because of the grace that you pour out upon us. And I pray for each one of us that raised our hands, that, Lord, you help us to, to be committed to setting aside time to put you first on our day of Sabbath and to allow you to speak to us in ways that maybe we're too busy to hear the other days of the week. Lord, I pray that you would just show us new blessings, new joys, because we are committed to faithfully practice this. And Lord, help us as we uh, think about our ultimate Sabbath rest, that one day we're gonna be home with you. One day we're gonna enjoy a constant Sabbath rest because we'll be completely fulfilled. We'll be in glory with you, surround the throne with no evil, no sinful nature, but Lord, that we can just praise you and thank you without any restrictions or limitations. Help us to persevere with that thought in mind until the end. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.